I'm jumping in with a quick message that I've added to all HR Coffee Time episodes to let you know that my group programme, Inspiring HR, is back. In case you haven't heard of it before, it's an intensive six-week programme for mid and senior level HR and people professionals. So if you're an HR business partner, HR manager, head of HR or HR director, or the people equivalent, so a people business partner, people manager, head of people or people director, and you'd like to build your confidence, your credibility and your impact at work, Inspiring HR could be perfect for you. We get started on Wednesday the 5th of June 2024 when we'll be meeting up over Zoom for two hours every week. The group sessions are a blend of group coaching, training and facilitation. They're supportive, encouraging and practical and each week has a slightly different focus. So in week one, we look at setting yourself up for success. Week two is about boosting your confidence. Week three focuses on being strategic in your role. Week four is all about building key relationships. Week five takes a deep dive into influencing at a senior level and the final week looks at planning for the future. There's a link with the full details in the show notes for you or you can learn more by going to my website, Bright Sky Career Coaching, clicking on services and then clicking on Inspiring HR Group Programme. I would love to have you join us and to get to know you throughout the programme. But if you have any questions about Inspiring HR at all, please feel free to ask by getting in touch through the website and I would be very happy to answer them for you. Welcome to episode 15 of HR Coffee Time. Today is the second episode from the series I'm creating for you about networking for your career. So you might remember that the first episode in this series was episode 11, which explained the three most important networks for your career. For this episode, I was going to be sharing some tips on how to feel more confident networking, but when I sat down and actually recorded the episode, I realized that it was far too long. And the reason it was so long was because I felt I needed to explain why networking is important and just how it can help your career before I then launched into my advice on how to feel more confident about doing it. So I've decided to split this into two different episodes. This week, I'll be focusing on why and how networking is so important. And then next week, I promise I'll move on to the tips that are going to help you to feel more confident doing it. If we haven't met before, hello, I'm Faye Wallace, a career coach and outplacement specialist with a background in HR. And I'm also the founder of Bright Sky Career Coaching. I've made this podcast especially for you to help you have a fulfilling and successful HR career without working yourself into the ground. But before I dive into the main part of the episode, I just wanted to share with you that I've created a free downloadable HR planner for you for 2022. Now, you may have been using the one I created for 2021 already, but just to let you know that I've added even more to the planner for next year to make it as helpful as possible for you, because I'd really love for you to feel that your planner is the most valuable tool you have sitting on your desk at work. 
If you've already signed up to receive HR Coffee Time emails from me, you don't have to do anything. You'll be sent a copy of the planner automatically as soon as I've finished it. But if you don't receive my emails, you can sign up to get the planner for free by going to www.subscribepage.com forward slash HR Planner 2022. But that's enough about the planner for the moment. Let's get on with the main part of the show. When it comes to career coaching, there are three main ways that I tend to help people. And I see that networking can help them no matter what the career challenge is that they've come to me for help with. So just to explain a bit more, (laughs) the three main ways are, the very first way is that I tend to help people who are looking for a new role. So it's all about putting support in place to help them transition into a new job successfully. And for that kind of work, that's normally what I'm booked to provide outplacement services to a group of people or sometimes just one person who are losing their roles because of redundancy. And that's often very practical support around things like CV writing, LinkedIn advice, job search strategy, interview coaching, that kind of thing. The second way that I tend to help people through career coaching is helping people to identify a new career to change to. And so in that situation, what normally happens is that someone comes to me and says, I hate my job. (laughs) I don't want to do this career anymore. It's awful. I just want to do something else, but I have no idea what. And the experience of not knowing that can feel really scary, really nerve wracking. Then the third and the final main area that I help people with when I'm coaching them is to excel in the role that they're in, to be really successful and confident in their current role. And usually, again, that is when a company has approached me to support someone who they value within their organisation. So they'll say, okay, this person's brilliant, but for some reason they're having a bit of a wobble. So that might be that they have a really tricky co-worker that they're finding it hard to get along with, or perhaps they've recently been promoted into a role and they're lacking confidence in themselves and just feeling a little bit insecure, or it could be that a completely different challenge has presented itself. So they might have missed out on a promotion and they're really fed up about it and demotivated. Whatever it is that's derailed them, I'm then able to coach them to help them get back on track and to rebuild their confidence and to help them come up with a plan for moving forward. So in all those three different scenarios, networking can be hugely beneficial for whoever it is that is having the coaching. I've seen it time and time again come into its own to really help them to move on and solve whatever the career challenge is that they're up against, which is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it. So let me just quickly take you through a few examples to try and explain why it's so powerful and how it can help in these three very different instances. Let's start with when it comes to moving on to a new role. Because we're living in this online world now and there are so many jobs advertised online, it can feel really tempting just to go onto jobs websites, onto job boards every single day and scroll through all the jobs that are advertised and start applying for loads of stuff. And I see this happen a lot especially if I'm delivering some sort of career workshops, I'll often say to the people in the room, 
okay, so has anyone started looking for a new role yet? And if so, how are you doing it? And I can almost guarantee that the most popular thing that people tell me they're doing, the most likely thing that they're doing, is spending hours looking on these different jobs platforms and scrolling through jobs. And unfortunately, the problem with that is that it can be soul-destroying. It's just not good for any of us to be scrolling through stuff online for hours on end. And perhaps just as importantly, you're up against so much competition because those jobs are visible to everybody and anybody. And it means that you can be up against hundreds of other people who are applying for the same role. And that doesn't mean that the other hundreds of people are right for that role. It could very well be that you're perfect for it and you're going to get it. So I don't say to people completely give up on looking for jobs online at all. But what I do say is that actually research shows us that up to 80% of active job roles are never advertised. Instead, they all get filled through word of mouth. So that means they're all being filled through networking in some way. And if you take a moment to step back and think about this, you'll probably begin to realise pretty quickly that that's true and there are good reasons for that. Because we put a lot of faith in to other people's recommendations. If someone is going to go out of their way to recommend someone for a role, someone that they know, that will really reassure us. I think it's one of the reasons that employee referral schemes have become such a big deal over the last 10 to 15 years. I think that as the internet's exploded, it's made recruitment in some ways a bit of a nightmare. I know that when I was in my last HR role and I was responsible for internal recruitment, it can be so overwhelming getting these hundreds of applicants in for a position and having to review them and just basing your first decision on their CV. It was so much easier if someone within the organisation came up to me and said, oh, I've seen that we're looking for a new whatever the role was. And I actually know someone who I used to work with who I think would be brilliant for that role. And I've asked them about it and they said they're happy to apply. In those sorts of instances, when someone came to me and said that, I would think, oh, brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to prioritise this person's CV above anyone else who I might be getting online because they've had that word of mouth recommendation. Someone isn't going to put them forward if they don't think they're any good because then that impacts on their own reputation. And I think this way of thinking of asking for recommendations definitely exists, especially with small businesses, because if you think about it, the business owner or the people within the team are very likely to talk to their network to see if anyone in their network can make a recommendation because there's a lot of nervousness around hiring someone into a smaller organisation because if you get one wrong hire, it can have such a negative impact on everybody. So again, it's just another sign that that word of mouth, that networking, it's so important. And in fact, now that I've begun to support more and more people in senior roles, I really see that this is true. I think that once you're moving into the more senior levels within an organisation, sometimes those roles really are only filled through word of mouth recommendations. People will start to ask around because those roles 
especially if you're thinking about C-suite level roles, they're so crucial. No one wants to make a mistake when it comes to that level. Which means that if you're looking for a new role and you aren't telling your network that you're looking or you aren't asking your network for help with your job search, no one will know that they should be putting you forward for these roles. You're probably not going to hear about them which means that I would really encourage you, if you are in this situation, to start talking to people. And if you're not sure who to talk to, then I'd recommend you go back and have a listen to episode 11, where I talk about the three different networks that are really important in your career. And these are your personal network, so that's made up of your friends, your family, contacts that you might have through clubs and hobbies, perhaps there are some previous colleagues in there, that makes up your personal network. Then the second network is your internal network within the organisation you work in. So that's people that you work with right now. And that might mean that you don't necessarily want to share with people internally that you're thinking of moving on, unless, of course, it's due to redundancy and everybody's very aware of it. In that case, it's probably going to feel a lot more comfortable for you to have those conversations with your colleagues. But if you don't want anyone to know that you're thinking about moving on, then perhaps just leave that internal network alone for the moment when it comes to this. But the third main network that I talk about in a lot more detail in episode 11 is your external professional network. So that's made up of people who you may have met at formal networking events, you might have met them at conferences that are very HR specific or industry specific. It might also be made up of people who you've worked with before, but potentially you may have lost touch with, but perhaps you're still connected to them on LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is just fantastic as far as I'm concerned and I will talk about that in a bit more detail in the next episode as well. But hopefully from talking through all of this to do with getting your next role, I've started to convince you of just how impactful and how important networking can be as part of a strategy to get a new role. Now let's move on to how your network can help you if you're thinking of changing career, but you aren't sure which career you want to change to. Now, in this instance, your network is one of your key resources that you can turn to for help. And if I think of my own career change coaching programme, there are three different stages to it. And the middle stage is all about doing research and exploration into other roles. So the best way of doing this research is to talk to people. And one thing that you can ask people who know you well is, do they think there are any roles or different career paths that they think you'll be particularly well suited to? So that's a really good question to ask if you're just trying to get some initial ideas about different career options and you're really not sure what you want to do. But when you have chosen some different career paths and you want to figure out if one of them is going to be right for you, then again, using your network, asking your network for help is a really critical step here because if you can find people who work in that role or work in that sector or that profession generally that you're interested in, then that can be incredibly helpful because you can ask them what it's really like. 
Obviously, there's loads of research you can do online, but actually nothing beats having a first-hand chat with someone about a potential career, because not only can they give you a bit of insight into what that kind of career is like, they can give you a lot of advice about breaking into that kind of career. If it's someone who knows you well, or knows a friend of yours who knows you well, then again, you even do have some instances where they think, well, hang on a minute, I know that this person's absolutely brilliant. If they're serious about changing career, then I'd be really happy to actually bring them on board here or to recommend them for a very similar role for a friend who I know is looking to hire that kind of person. When you're chatting to the person about the role to try and figure out if it is something you'd like to do, I'd really recommend that you use something called an informational interview and I actually hate those words. I need to think of a better name for it, but <laughs> that's how I was taught about it. So an informational interview is when you arrange to have a chat with someone, but rather than just kind of firing off questions ad hoc and then hoping that you remember everything the person tells you, you get yourself prepared in advance with a list of very specific questions so that you can make down notes as you go. Because especially if you're going to be talking to a few people, well, you know what it's like. It's so easy to start to forget who told you what, what were the exact details. So I'd really encourage you to actually take some notes when you're talking to them. And I have got a basic informational interview template that I always share with my clients if they're going through this kind of exercise. And I encourage them to tailor it to the particular role or the particular questions that they have. But just to give you an idea of what some of the questions are that are on there in case you want to use this approach, I thought I would talk you through some of them. So some of the questions you can ask are things like, what is a typical day like in this role? What are the skills that are needed to do the job really well? What are the typical working hours for it? Are flexible roles easily found or are really long working hours expected? What other kinds of roles exist in this area that I might be interested of but might not have heard about before? What career progression is there? Is there any particular training that's needed to do this role? And if there is, what is it and how long does it take? And do you know how much it costs? What advice can you give me about how to break into this career? Because I haven't done it before. What's the kind of salary expectation or salary range for this role? Whereabouts are job vacancies for this type of role advertised? Are there any particular recruitment companies recommended that are really specific to this career? And then this is a really key question that I'd encourage you to ask. Who else do you recommend that I speak to? Who would be a useful contact for me right now? And it's often this question that really leads on to some form of career change success because they may know someone who's hiring or they may know someone who is doing a slightly different role that you'd be perfect for, or they may know someone who's very well connected, because what you'll find is that although you think you know your friends and family and your contacts fairly well, it's impossible for you to really know all of the people that they're connected to. And when it comes to changing career, but also when it comes to actually getting any sort of new job, it's often those slightly weaker ties. They're called weaker ties if um, they're not someone you're connected to directly, but 
they're a sort of second degree connection, they're often the ones who prove to be the most helpful. And then the final question that I always encourage someone to ask as part of an informational interview is, is there a professional association or a professional body for this career type? So for example, as you're an HR professional, you are probably a member of the CIPD and you may or may not know that they have a huge range of resources to help their members with their career development. There are mentoring schemes, they've got a CV checker, but I think a lot of the time, the different professional bodies aren't necessarily great at advertising the support that they offer. So if you're looking at changing career and you find out there is a professional body associated with it, I'd really recommend that you just phone them up. <laughs> you can obviously have a look on the website to begin with, but often there's lots of stuff that they can do to help you explore whether it's the right career or to break into that career. And it's not necessarily clearly marked out on their website. One thing they will almost definitely do is have quite regular events that you can go to, but they may be arranged through local branches rather than something that you can easily find through the main website. So I think, again, that's a really useful piece of information to find out. And of course, you can find that out whether you're doing an informational interview or if you do decide to do some of your research online. There's so much more I could share with you about asking your network for help when it comes to changing career, but I'm conscious I don't want this episode to go on for hours and hours, so hopefully I've given you the key bits of information and the most useful things for you to know when it comes to networking to change career, which means that we can move on to the final career challenge that I mentioned. So that's all about looking at how networking can really help you to excel in your current role. So no matter what the challenge is that you're experiencing at work, or you may not even have a challenge right now, you, it just might be that you know you want to progress and you want to do really well at work and perhaps you want to start working your way up into an even more senior role or to feel that you're having a lot of influence in the role that you're in right now. I know that for some of you, you may be really frustrated at being regarded as just an operational person rather than a strategic person. That's something that I hear a lot. <laughs> so this is where your network can really help you. So whether we like the idea or not that just working really hard, doing your best, doing a great job isn't enough to make sure that you're going to succeed at work. And I, I know that's often something that people don't want to hear. And I think that's because we're sort of conditioned from when we're little, <laughs> that if you're at school, for example, you just get your head down, work hard, and then there'll be some sort of an exam or an assessment and everyone can see the results of your hard work. And so you get praised by the teacher and you know possibly your parents and your peers can all see how well you're achieving. So of course, we're used to that when we then go into the workplace and it could be that you adapt away from that kind of thinking but I know a lot of the time actually that's so entrenched in us it can feel difficult to move away from that and actually I think that Cheryl Sandberg in her book Lean In describes this really well <laughs> I'm going to forget the exact words that she used but from memory I think she calls it princess tiara syndrome so she says that at work, there's a real danger that you just think, I am just going to focus 
on doing the good work. I'm going to do a great job and then someone is going to notice and they'll put a tiara on my head <laughs> because it'll be a reward for having done so well. Now, she's talking specifically about women here because she thinks that women in particular um, are affected by this way of thinking. But I, I don't know that's necessarily true. I know that I've experienced with that with men who I've coached as well, that they just hope they're going to get on and get to where they want to be by working really hard and doing high quality work. And of course, yes, it is really important to be producing high quality work and be committed to our roles. Actually, you do have to think about the people in your organisation as well and to be able to build relationships with them so you're building a network with them because ultimately you need to be able to influence the people around you. If you have got ideas that you really want to put into action, if you have got a strategy that you want the senior team to buy into, if they don't know you very well, if you haven't got any influence with them, it can be really hard to get your ideas across the line because there will be key people within the organisation you work in who have got influence and power. In fact, everyone in the organisation in some way will have a degree of influence. And what can often happen is that I see people get very good at building strong relationships with their immediate team. So the people who work for them or the people who work with them and sometimes the people who work above them. So all of those people will know who they are, they know that they're doing really well, they might know what their ambitions are, they'll certainly know what their quality of work is like, but perhaps outside of that unit, other people in the organisation aren't necessarily aware of them. And so that can be a real problem, especially the more senior that you become at work. So if you're thinking about getting to director level or C-suite level, it's not then enough just to have your immediate team on board. You're going to have those strategic ideas, those plans that you need buy-in from people. You need to get people behind you to make sure that the things you suggest do happen. And also, of course, the other thing to think of is that to be truly strategic, you need to fully understand the organisation. So that means more than fully understanding the unit that you work with within, you also need to understand what's going on in different units throughout the entire organisation and different functions. You need to know that you have a network where people will come to you with concerns or ideas or just updates on how things are going because only with that understanding can you be sure that your ideas are going to be truly effective on an organisational wide level. And if you're listening to this and thinking, okay, you've convinced me, it's clearly a worthwhile idea to start thinking about investing some time in building up my network at work right now, but ah, how do I do it? This all feels a bit uncomfortable and nerve-wracking, then don't worry, because next week's episode is ready to go and it's there to help with lots of really practical tips on how you can go about doing this. So to make sure you don't miss out on next week's episode, make sure that you've signed up to receive my free weekly HR coffee time emails when I email out the details of the episode for each week. And you can sign up to those. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Or if you're listening to this episode on my website, 
you'll see the page that you're listening to it on. There is a button that says subscribe, or I think it says sign up to receive HR Coffee Time emails. And then you can be sure that you're never going to miss out. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. So I really hope that you found it helpful. And if you have, I would love to ask you for a favour. It would be wonderful if you felt you could share details of the podcast with a friend or a colleague who you think would like it and would find it useful as well. Because it's my aim to help as many HR professionals as I can through the free advice in this podcast. And I'd really appreciate your help. And this, of course, is a perfect example of me asking you, as someone in my network, for some support. So if you do decide to do that, thank you so much in advance. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back again next week.